Church of Christ presents Wisdom, She's All Around You. The sermon by the Reverend Jean Randall Bodman, presented on Sunday, June 16th, 2019. Happy Trinity Sunday. It's the trickster of Sundays, when clergy across the entire world tiptoe through minefields of metaphors and pray that they've found a way to talk about three being one that is both clear and true, and non-heretical, and also helpful in some way. Well, I don't like tiptoeing. I love the mystery of the Trinity. I think of it not as one plus one plus one equaling three, I mean equaling one, which even my math brain knows is nonsense. Instead, I think of it as one times one times one, equaling one. Three ones in relationship to each other, Creator, Christ, Holy Spirit, each magnifying and thus, each magnifying each and thus modeling for us the foundation of reality. Reality is created to be in communion and in relationship. Well, that's lovely. That seems good to be reminded that all of reality is designed to be in relationship. But how? How do we do it? How do we honor and follow that model when it feels like the world is just about to fall off a cliff? I wake up in the morning and I ask myself, can I bear to look at the news today? Do I dare to go on social media, you know, just to catch up with friends and check in with the ones who've just had a baby or see how my cousin is doing, taking care of my beloved aunt? Or once I get there, will I be slammed into the ground by all the fears and righteous indignation there? And as Anne Lamott might ask, am I feeling remotely well enough in myself to consider the number of people who seem to have lost the plot entirely? people who are engaging in conversations of the most magnificent malice and dishonesty. Can I go in there today? Who am I? Why am I here? And how do I wish to live? These are the three questions of identity that underlie our efforts to ground and orient ourselves in this life. How do we answer these when it seems like the world around us has gone insane? Our government is separating immigrant children from their parents at our border still. Our government is keeping people in cages. This is not who we are, we say, until we are reminded that yes, this is at least part of who we are and have always been. As the cries of enslaved mothers whose children were ripped from their arms and sold away from them remind us, and as the cries of native fathers whose children were stolen and incarcerated in boarding schools where the Indian was trained and beat out of them, 
as the cries of Japanese families caged in internment camps, their farms and homes forfeit, bear witness, this is who we have been. Dear God, help us. My younger son, Jacob, has been helping me to do some small projects around the house this summer while he's home from college and while his dad's away. On Friday evening, we were having a clear out of a large and unlovely wall unit bookcase kind of thing in our family room. It's a grab bag of a place. Once upon a time, it held baskets full of Legos. And until Friday, it still held, among the books and photo albums and DVDs, a random collection of children's books and videos that have not been used for years. My youngest, Jacob, is, after all, 19. He was all for boxing up the whole lot of them and taking them to Goodwill. But I made him pause and let me go through the books one by one. You never know, I said. One of you boys may marry someday and have kids of your own. And I want to be the kind of Grammy who has books ready, waiting to snuggle up and read. To which Jacob replied in a gentle and matter-of-fact tone, Mom, we're all going to be wiped out by climate change. There probably won't be any grandchildren. I don't know that that is true. I pray that, that that is not true. But what is true is that my sweet, intelligent, college student son believes that it's a real possibility. Dear God, help us. How do we live with any of this? Now, as I go forward, a brief caveat. I have a very sticky mind. And over the past couple of weeks, I've listened to nine episodes of Rob Bell's podcast on wisdom. So I'm stirring in a lot of Rob Bell, and I'm trying to catch myself when I quote him exactly. But I have a sticky brain. So with many thanks to Rob Bell and the Robcast. How do we live with any of this? Does not wisdom call and does not understanding raise her voice? To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all that live. Right here, woven throughout the biblical tradition, we have her, wisdom, personified as a woman, who has been with God since the beginning, present in creation the whole time. Wisdom, who invites us to listen and to align ourselves in our deepest being to her presence. She offers us a way to ground and center and root ourselves in peace, in joy, in a calm sense that we are not, in fact, losing our minds. We can have a clear head and a full heart and engage life with some level of focus and intentionality, no matter how the world is spinning off its axis, either the public world or our own private world. No matter what is happening in the news or in our lives, wisdom is speaking to us. Allowing ourselves to be in the flow of wisdom will help us flourish no matter what our circumstances. Wisdom, who some Christians identify with Jesus, the Word made flesh, and who some Christians identify with the Holy Spirit, 
the presence of God. Wisdom, God's builder at creation, who some Jews identify with the Shekinah, the feminine presence of God. She is all around us, speaking to us at all times, calling out at the gate, crying in the city street to all humankind, and also speaking to us in the stillness of our own hearts. She is not hidden, leaving us alone to handle all of this on our own. With practice, we can give up our anxious spinning, all that spinning we've quite reasonably been doing these last few years. We can embrace a calm, grounded life, centered in the confidence that wisdom is nearby, available to us, calling our names, talking to us in shouts and in whispers. We don't need to be consumed by fear and anxiety and stress. Now, this is not to suggest that we should not have our real feelings about what is happening to us, both in the wider world and in our own immediate worlds. We, of course, respond with our real emotions, joy or anger, doubt, fear, a sense of betrayal, deep contentment, rage, excitement, whatever it is. We respond to both the successes and upheavals we experience in the world. But also, within all that, deep in our own souls, and beside that, crying out to us in the world, is the voice of wisdom, telling us how our souls can continue to flourish. Whether the news that has arrived is good or bad, whether the job is gained or lost, whether the test comes back positive or negative, whether we need the surgery or we don't, even in the midst of our scariest moments. In our moments when we are not clear about how to proceed, wisdom teaches us how to go on. She teaches us how to discern what is the next right thing to do. She teaches us to be prudent. Prudence. Now that is a word we don't hear very often. It's not very popular anymore. It's a word that sounds vaguely Puritan, unadventurous, and, well, frankly, kind of boring. But apparently, in the Hebrew, it carries with it the idea of nuance and subtle distinction, of learning how to make decisions when the questions we are presented with do not seem black or white. How do we find this wisdom that the tradition promises us is here, all around us, all the time? It's deceptively simple. We ask for it. I wonder how many of you have, like me, ever been at a party where you met someone new and ran out of things to say in about two sentences. Hello, pleased to meet you. Oh yes, lovely weather, great for gardening. Okay, well, I'm gonna go get a drink. Do you want, want anything? Okay, lovely to have met you. And you make your escape. And then you come back to the room, three minutes later, to overhear your host introducing that same person 
to a mutual friend. And you watch in amazement as the two, just as unknown to each other as you had been, smile. How do you do? How do you do? But then someone asks someone else a question. What kind of work do you do? Do you have summer travel plans? Do you have kids? And then instead of weighing in with their own experience, once they have heard the answer, they ask a follow-up question, and then another, and then another. And before long, the two people who until just a few moments ago were complete strangers are now talking and laughing, enjoying each other immensely, and learning things about and from each other. It is possible that we are at all times just one or two questions away from learning something that is going to be enormously helpful to us, either right now in our present life or down the road, if we ask and listen. Because wisdom is calling out to us from other people. As Rob Bell puts it, there is a world of interest and understanding just below the surface of most interactions, and most people just skip right over it. We forget to ask. We get shy. We don't want to push. We don't want to intrude. When you enter into the wisdom tradition, you get to challenge the assumptions of the world we live in by asking questions and allowing the answers and the next question and the next to lead you to a new way. When we are faced with something new, we can pause in our very natural emotional responses and ask some questions. What is this? Have I been through something like this before? Have I seen anyone else go through this? When a difficult or even positive and joyous but new situation arises, and we are unsure, we can connect to our own curiosity. We can, as wisdom invites us to do, listen and add to our learning. We can ask questions and notice patterns. We can let our experiences accumulate and add to our store of knowledge. And we can move beyond our complaining. We've all known those people. And probably, if we are honest, at least once in our lives, we have probably all been those people who 18 months, two years, five years after an unfair situation are still talking about it and complaining about it and blaming someone else about it. We're all about the wrong that was done to us. Now, I'm not talking about major wrongs like violent crime or major illness or systemic oppression. Those things have their own weight and they need solace from wisdom. But in the ordinary give and take of life, we can practice seeking wisdom so that the, when the deep trials come, we will know how to seek her. In the ordinary give and take of life, when we are thwarted in some minor way, and months later, 
We are still complaining and have not let it go. Wisdom invites us to stop. Add to our store of wisdom by asking, how did it happen? What did I learn? What will I do differently next time? How will I recognize it if another unfair situation starts to develop? We are spinning, we are stressed, we are anxious, because each time we go through things, it's like we're doing it for the first time, and it doesn't need to be. In Bell's own words, the problem with complaining is that it uses up energy that could have been used asking questions. The problem with blaming, when we blame other people years down the road, and the event is past, and everyone else has forgotten it, when we continue that kind of blaming, it takes energy that could be spent asking questions. Complaining keeps us from listening, either to our own life or to the knowledge and learning that other people have accumulated. Curiosity opens us up to hear wisdom's voice, and she is always talking. Once we have heard wisdom speaking to us, once we have allowed ourselves to experience the presence of the Spirit, we can practice an approach to life that includes curiosity. Whether we are in the midst of peaceful times with warm, contented relationships, good work to do, time off, or in the midst of changes we did not seek, or even faced with something catastrophic that we did not choose, that we would never choose, something that brings us into immediate touch with the immense fragility of all of our lives. In each circumstance, one of our responses can be curiosity. We can get curious and pay close attention to our own experience, trusting that wisdom will speak. Wisdom will speak to keep us grounded and centered and full of hope and joy. We can interview ourselves about our own stories. What did I learn? What did it teach me? What was true there? And then when we arrive at a new situation that is similar to one from the past, we will have an accumulation of wisdom to guide us. And we will have our curiosity to help us discern if there are nuances in the new situation that mean a different response might be called for. Old truths can be amended or added to for new situations. Seeking wisdom, living with curiosity, offers us a posture and an energy to keep us grounded in God's grace and to keep us moving onward. So now, how does all of that work in our real lives? Well, whatever it is that has us stuck, whether it's health or work or relationships or the news, and there's a lot of news, we can describe it to ourselves. We can articulate it as clearly as we can. What's holding me? What has me stuck? What has my head spinning and my thoughts 
foggy and unclear. We can explain it to ourselves and then ask, have I been here before? Is this similar or different? And how? How did I pass through it before? Who helped me? Were there stages? Is there anyone I know who has been in this place before me? Anyone who has gone through what I am going through who will speak to me about it? Is there anyone I can go to and just ask them questions with no judgment? In the past, when I've been in similar situations, where did that lead me? What did it lead to? What was helpful before and what wasn't? What things did people tell me that helped? Can I follow that with more questions? What things did people tell me that were completely unhelpful? Can I let that go? Just drop the bad advice. Were there people that were so toxic to me that I couldn't stay clear? Can I step back from them for now? No matter what is stressing us, there is a giant pool of wisdom that is waiting for us. No matter what it is, someone has gone through it before. Where is your pool of wisdom? Is it your grandparents, friends, the books in your library, a class you want to take, a song refrain that unbidden pops into your mind and speaks wisdom to you? Maybe it's a neighbor that you really don't know that well, but who has been through something like this. Maybe it's an acquaintance you met at a meet and greet three years ago, but you think, if I call them, they might answer, so I'm going to try. As we center our energy in curiosity, we will hear wisdom calling to us from many places. And we can jump into that pool of accumulated knowledge and learning and be in dialogue with it as wisdom talks to us also in the quiet of our own souls about what is right for us. Because received wisdom is just that. We also need the voice of wisdom for our own particular self. Pause and breathe. Wisdom, who has been with God since the beginning, is speaking to you and to me and to every one of us all the time to offer us flourishing in this life. Amen.